It's the True Penny Show with your host, James True Penny. Hello and welcome to the True Penny Show. My name's James True Penny. This is my show, and I'm coming to you from a very cold North Lincolnshire, England today. It is minus two and it's not warm, or, and it's quite unpleasant. But to warm the cockles of my heart, we have a crossover show. With the Wrestling Rewind, Mr. Darrow Connor is here. How are you, sir? Hey, James. How are you, man? Thanks for having me on. <clears throat> oh, no. I, always a pleasure, sir. Never a chore to have the fine Mr. Darrow Connor on the show. Um, we're going to look at two things. So this might be a twofer, because me and Darrow have a tendency to talk a lot. So yep. if, if, we, if, we, if we're hitting the three-hour mark, we've probably put this into two, two shows. We'll see how we go. But we've been looking at Battle Arts for the Beginner's Guide to Japanese wrestlings, first of all. Now, last week, myself and the master of death matches, John Dinsdale, did talk about Arceon, where there was plenty of blood and gore with the Oki Omada Aquino versus the LCO. But the women of Arceon trained with battle arts. So I thought it'd be a good idea to look at some battle arts from 1998. And the show we're looking at is Action B 1998, which was pretty much the start of the company. The company started out of Fujiwari Gumi, um, which is Yoshiaki Fujiwara's promotion, Yoshiaki Fujiwara, as a promoter, was particularly successful in pissing people off. And that's the reason why Pancras started, because Minoru Suzuki decided he'd had enough, and Ken Shomrock had decided he'd had enough, so they went off to form Pancras. And not long after, about a couple of years later, um, the guys from who would go on to form Battle Arts, most specifically Yuki Ishikawa, uh, or Stalker Ishikawa. I know it's not Stalker Ishikawa, he's within the other company. Yuki Ishikawa decided he'd had enough and started this company called Battle Arts, which was an interesting take. What were your thoughts overall on what you saw with Battle Arts, Darren? So it's funny, right? So we're going to put, <clears throat> we're going to break the fourth wall for a little bit. So, James sent me two two completely different companies. He sent me Battle Arts, where the lads are kicking the heads off each other. And then he sent me um, Okazada Pro Battle, right? <clears throat> where it was, like, lads running around in, like... Sorry, Okazada Pro Battle Station. Lads running around having comedy matches. So I was horrifically confused when I watched them. <laughs> Based on that, I'm like, is this the same thing? And then he sent me the cards. I'm like, oh, no, these are different things. Okay. Um, but yeah, so that's just to pull it back a bit. But with Battle Arts, I was amazed by, well, I was shocked by a couple of things. One, how stiff they're working. It's like I've never seen a wrestling match that stiff, where it's just like, yeah. no, pulling out. they're literally just having a fight in the middle of the ring. Um, <laughs> but the matches are quite good. Um, I'm. It's weird. It's the combination of like where you're watching an MMA match where. <sighs> It has the problems of an MMA match and the problems of pro wrestling together, but <laughs> yeah, but it's not, it's not bad. You know, it's it's good. Like it, it's yeah. there is enough there to really kind of enjoy. Uh, I was amazed how fat the referees were. Um, I was like, wow, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, like the the venue was quite funny. Um, in a gym, uh, looks like a high school gym. So yeah. the presentation of it is a bit strange but again it's 1999 1998 like so it kind of has yeah, that 
that ECW feel to it. Um, but <laughs> the athletic prowess of these guys is really cool, and it's uh, definitely one of the most unique uh, wrestling series of matches that I've seen in quite some time. But like the kicks are vicious, the knees are unbelievable, and I'm like, there's no way these guys can do this uh, every night. Like, so my understanding of this, this would be like an event kind of thing. It wouldn't be. They wouldn't be a touring company, right? They'd be like they'd do it every every couple of months. Yeah, because there's no way you can so, have these matches every every week. Like, no, this this is the thing. I mean, if we give a, a short potted history of shoot wrestling, and if you go back in the beginners' guide to Japanese wrestling, you can have the full history as we all talk about UWF and UWFI. When UWF, the first shoot style promotion, was founded, it basically ran out of ground because of booking issues. Because Satoru Sayama, the original Tiger Mask, was the booker. And Akira Maeda was the owner of the company. And funnily enough, they booked themselves on top for a long time and then run out of opponents because they didn't have anyone left to wrestle. So it kind of all fell apart. The second UWF was much more successful. They filled the Tokyo Dome within six months of forming, which will tell you how successful they were. But again, they kind of fell apart when Akira Maeda wanted to move on and retire, and then they lost their main draw. And Nobuyuki Takada took UWFI forward, whilst Fujiwari, Fujiwara took PWFG forward. And UWFI kind of stuck to the essence of what UWF was about. There was pin, there was no pinfalls. It was shoot-style fighting. And there was a point system and count-outs, knockouts, and submissions decided the winner. Or if you got down to zero points before the end of the match for rope breaks or... You know, that kind of thing. Mm. Um, and they were um, spaced out events. Having listened to little Guido, who actually wrestled for UWFI, he basically said, so your match goes 15 minutes, and the first 13 minutes are a shoot. You hit each other as hard as you can, and the last two minutes get you to the finish. And that's how they worked. You cannot run matches like that, like the standard Japanese way of two weeks on, two weeks off. Just yeah. doesn't work. <laughs> no way, so, you can't. It's just not possible. No, it's not. So they ran into the issue of there, where you would have um, stars going injured. They were tr- trying to lay things off. The ticket prices were really high because obviously you have to pay the dojo. You've got to pay for training facilities and publicity and all these things. The regular things of running a wrestling promotion. But you're not putting those five hundred into a gymnasium in Osaka which doesn't seem like a lot, but a $30 a ticket do, is actually quite a lot. That's how like New Japan and All Japan and NOAA make their money isn't necessarily on the big shows at the Dome. It's on the little shows all around the country where they're constantly selling merch and TV rights and everything else. So yeah, that's what UWFI fell apart with. PWFG kind of mitigated that and went in a traditional manner until Fujiwara started experimenting with Lucha Libre and the hardcore shooters were obviously not best pleased. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, Ishikawa went on to form Battle Arts, which was kind of a lot closer to pro wrestling than PWFG was, mm. in the sense of they ran the ropes, and there were a couple of high spots in matches. But generally speaking, it's a pretty stiff shoot style. Um, yeah. So that's what we're looking at, really. Absolutely, and, and, that, and that's, that's going to do. I, I think for anyone who, you know, I, again, this is like you know, Dara doesn't watch Japanese wrestling, or you know, <laughs> obscure Japanese wrestling. Um, it's more kind of like um, 
coming in with it with a is it, it is a bit of an adjustment, but there's enough there that you can kind of be like, okay, it resets that expectation of of what you're gonna watch, and it, it's the match lengths aren't super long, obviously because they couldn't be, um, but they are quite entertaining. You know, I think that the, there is a lot of pacing and psychology going on there, at the same time of having these really really vicious strikes. Which is really interesting. I never again. I've you, you would see it with certain guys in WWE or you know Impact or not like that where uh, you'd have these strikers where they do a stiff kick or something like that. But out of this world to really see it. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like there was big props towards Walter, wasn't there, for that NXT match? Yes. Well, I can't remember if it was Walter and. Uh, but they they really went at it with stiff shots, which mm. is not really the WWE's way of doing things. Well, but any, it's kind of like any Walter match, you're going to get those yes. strikes, you know. Yeah, that's it. And uh, this is kind of like that, but much more realistic in the sense: no open hand chops. It's it's open hand slaps and kicks and forearms and the kicks to the back are nasty. Yeah. He just kicks them in the back. And you're like, <laughs> oh man, okay, fair enough. Like. This is like a lot. Yeah. Of these, a lot of these matches are like fights you see in the bar or, or outside at like <laughs> two in the morning. Like you're just, <laughs> what are you doing? Okay, but then I, I think as well. Sorry, carry on. You no, you go first. I was just. It, it's just. It's just crazy to see that they'll have uh, they'll work a match which is pretty much that, but then at the same time it will kind of transition then into matches. You know where they'll have yeah, yeah. spots and holds and grabs and stuff like that. Yeah, it's it's it's. I mean, if you were, we're going to use the first match as an example, you've got Ryuji Hijikata versus Max Junji. That's a young boys match, as traditional in Japanese pro wrestling. You open up with your your young lads from the dojo, show what they can do. They go hell for leather for five minutes um, because that's what they're taught to do. Um, limited move sets. Make sure you get it right, or you get a cuff around the ear when you get in the back. And that's kind of what this match was. Except much, much stiffer <laughs> than anything really you see good, on the New Japan show today. Yeah, really good. Really They're good. really into it. And the audience go along with it as well. And I think that's the other thing you get with Battle Arts and those shoot promotions is really knowledgeable audiences. They understand what's going on mm, really absolutely. closely. Yeah. Um, and it's the same story, really, with the second match as well. Because Zumi Isuda versus Hidemoto Igawa, we will put the YouTube uh, video. Uh, in the links with the like we normally do, by the way, if you want to see this card, which I strongly recommend you do because it's a and, lot of fun. And that's what's cool. Um, that's what's cool about uh, this. It's all on YouTube. Like you can just watch it. Like it's it's obscure enough that no one's taken it down. But this second yeah. match, this second match was great. It's weird because I used to do a lot of martial arts um, back in the day, which was a Tuesday, mm. um, and it's like <laughs> they start the march not like a wrestling match. Right, they started off yeah. like like a fight, like like you would if you're sparring or something like that. And it's just, I've never seen that before, you know, in wrestling, where it's like, okay, this has worked, but we're actually going to kick you, you know what I mean? And I was yeah, just, just it, I, I, fair props to them, honestly, because like that was one of the <laughs> hardest things I could do. I was like, I'm not gonna let you kick me, and you're you're taught not to. But they'll they'll the this second match here, they'll they'll transition from doing these. Um, head kicks into like beautiful suplexes, yeah, and, and it's just it's 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 really cool, you know. But the the crowd seems 
different. Like they wouldn't do like a crowd at the at the dome or not that where they're like you know super silent from like that. They're just it's kind of hard to gauge them if they're into it because there is yeah. like applause and stuff like that like you normally see. Is, is the crowd different to a show like this to like a, a more mainstream New Japan or something like yeah, that? Yeah, I think so because they clap the small stuff. Yeah, like not the big stuff. like. Not the necessarily, they're not there for necessarily top rope spots and stuff. They're there for nice transitions, nice wrist locks. You know, the you, you, we're talking 1998, so you are 10 years into the shoot revolution. You know, it's 10, it's 10 years since the, the absolute best resignation letter Akira Maeda or wrestling ever saw, where Ricky Chosu had. Uh, Nobuyuki Takada in a Scorpion Deathlock and Akira Maeda went and kicked him shoot in the face <laughs> and then walked out of the company which is the best resignation letter you can possibly have <laughs> but it's weird uh, like, at, at the same time you have like Pride or is Pride a little bit after this yeah no Pride's about the same time as this yeah but Pride like, but is way more I was going to say yeah. yeah but this is this is the thing you look at the evolution of shoot wrestling Maeda leaves to form UWF which is a booked wrestling promotion, though it has the shoot element, like we said. Mm. And then he leaves UWF and retires and starts to put money into different projects, one of which is Rings, which is a shoot wrestling promotion, an actual genuine fighting promotion. And eventually he puts money into Pride. And he puts money into UF... Um, uh, I'm trying to remember the kickboxing tournament that used to come from Japan, that Pride owned as well. Um, K1. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was... He put money into K1 and he put money into Pride because he was, you know, a businessman. And he was absolutely revolutionary in the way we look at uh, modern MMA. And he was a pioneer of modern MMA, even though he was never really, he didn't have a long MMA career, if you see what I mean. By the time he got to MMA, he was already 38, 39. <laughs> well, look, I'm going to say this now. This second match here uh, that we're talking about, it's the best MMA match I've ever seen. Even though it's booked. <laughs> Even though it's booked. And I'm kind of like, you know what? Maybe a lad should just do it booked. Because it's like, this has everything you have, but you don't have, you know, two and a half minutes of some lad humping the ground. You know what I mean? It's just like, it's like it has all the elements that you want. And probably one of the most vicious front kicks to the face I've ever seen is in this match. And it's just like, you know, there's a lot to be said for it. I would say I, yeah, I, think, yeah. I, I think a lot of MMA fans would really enjoy this second match in particular because the transitions are phenomenal. I think that's it. I mean, when Minoru Suzuki and Shamrock and them lot left to form Pancras, Carl Gotch was their trainer there, ah, and sense. they were they were trying to figure out a philosophy for the company. Mm. And he said, "Well, why not just have competitive wrestling matches?" Like, run it under professional wrestling rules, but no pinfalls. Keep it to knockouts and submissions, and you can use rope breaks, but have it as a professional wrestling company that has... And the, I think they had two or three shows where they ran as booked cards, and then they did it properly, quote-unquote. And that is a lot close. But because you're not allowed to punch, because it's wrestling, you're not allowed to punch in wrestling. Yeah. There's more open hand strikes and it, it opens up things a lot more, I think. It's more entertaining to me to watch than say an MMA fight. Absolutely. Like as I said, you know, the, the second match I love the finish like it's cool that mm. you 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 buy the, the 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 brutality of it and you're able to buy into it a lot easier than like a bad wrestling match where you, 
you, you know, it just it, it looks ridiculous. I think the decision to not have pinfalls is good too. Um, yeah. Because it's just like, right, well, they're actually, you get, you get a proper conclusion here. Um, yeah. But yeah, solid, like, solidly that, that second card, uh, that second match on the card is just great. Just before the tag match, which I suppose we can talk yeah. about. Yeah, that's it. But you, you're right again with the finish and, and shoot wrestling had a major influence on mainstream wrestling in Japan. Mm. Giant Baba understood that's one of the reasons why all Japan was so successful is because there was basically no count outs and disqualifications after that. He realized you had to have a clean finish. Yeah. That's what made money. Um, like, and that, that was yeah, a that, cut. That, that pisses people off. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, and don't get me wrong, look, I'm not saying, you know, every match has to, because if every match is not a qualification in the Western world, it's going to be garbage, yeah. right? But if yeah. you're like, you're, if the referee's a little bit loose and you're able to do a not book a screwy finish, uh, it's much more satisfying. Because I did, I, yeah. all these matches, like, I didn't really know a lot, of, a lot of the guys on this card, but I was still invested. Because I'm like, okay, cool, you put on a really competitive match and there was a, there was a, a finish. You know, it wasn't like, yeah. oh, six guys run in and the bell rings and then there's a countdown. <laughs> you know, just, like, just let them go out and kill each other and then whoever wins, wins, you know? Yeah, that's it. And I mean, I watched, um, me and John looked at the big matches from the 80s and stuff in Japan and Rick Martel versus Nick Bockwinkle for the AWA World Heavyweight Championship in Tokyo. Obviously, there's not going to be a winner because it's a match that doesn't matter mm. in Minneapolis, yeah. but it matters a lot in Tokyo and they were not happy that it went to a double count out. <laughs> but see, that makes but, sense. It, it, but see, it's like, that's the thing, you know, something that might not matter in the West doesn't necessarily matter. And it's, it's, it's more like what I like about when you send me over Japanese wrestling to watch and we do shows like this, it, it is very much kind of like the match matters, not the story. Yeah. Because the way they seem to book it, no matter if it was in the 90s or if it's now, the, what's actually going on in the ring still is like an important aspect of it and the story is kind of built around that rather than them having a story first and then the match just carries them week to week yeah that's it and it it was like even this morning I was watching World Tag League this morning and they made it matter to the last match the last match was Finn Juice versus Chaos when it goes through to the final absolutely and they put that and they put their heart and soul into 20 minutes of wrestling mm. both teams both mid-card teams, they win championships every once in a while, but they're, they're not the, the fancy guys, but the entire arena was on the edge of their seats because the match mattered. And that's important. Um, you know, make matches matter. Um, yeah, we should talk about this tag match. Masayo Orofaro and Takeshi Ono versus Mohamed Yone uh, and Mar- Mamuru Okamato. Yone and Okamato were actually from Wrestle 1 which was uh, Shinya Hashimoto's promotion uh, that had a talent swap deal with Battle Arts. And this is much more like a, a crossbreed traditional professional wrestling match with yeah. a shoot fighting element, yeah, isn't you took it? Yeah, right, you took the words right out of my mouth, yeah. This is the most wrestling match of the whole lot. Uh, um, <laughs> this, as... this is all the wrestling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because you, you can tell with your man with the, with the mohawk, it's like, oh, well, you're not actually, you know. That's... This is this is a very wrestling <laughs> wrestling match, you know, even the presentation of it. But it's still good. Um, yeah. I, I would kind of feel bad for the lads that came over from SO1 to be like, oh, we're going to get our head kicks in. All right, fun. Um, <laughs> just imagine just the psychology of that just been like, 
oh no, okay, right. And then going out and just like, we're going back. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I don't know, it, it, it's fun, you know. It, it's it's cool that they can do both. And this match kind of shows that uh, this promotion is able to book a proper wrestling match. But it's not their forte. It's just, it's a nice little bit of spice where it's like, right, tagged. Because I was thinking initially before I started watching it, I'm like, how are you going to book a shoe tag match? That's very yeah. difficult to do. Um, yeah. I mean, if you look at the shoot tag matches in UWFI, which were kind of like the pinnacle of, mm. of shoot style, yeah. they had tag matches, but you could, you could cut the ring off, but you weren't allowed to double team. You just had to That's tag it. out and the other person got in and you had to get in before the other guy got to his corner so he could tag out again. Yeah, um, and you, yeah you literally just have to kind of just corner them on the side of the ring and do all the stuff. But like in this match, there are double teams and stuff like that. And it's like... Yeah. It, it it's more it's like it, it's a really really good tag team match, but it's it's the most standout on the card for being so different. Yeah, it it does it, it's 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 just a bit special, and the guys in it are a bit special to be honest with you. Um, specifically, Mohamed Yane, who went on to be one of the top draws for Noah. You know, yep. he's just recently celebrated his twenty fifth anniversary. Wow. Um, Young hair. Uh, at, yeah, and uh, he he this morning he was on the English commentary for the Noah card um, with the ridiculous fifty minute main event between Sigara and um, Go Shiozaki. Well, don't worry, you won't be seeing any fifty minutes on uh, fifty minutes on this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the thing. Did you did you did you hear what happened this morning? No, I did not. Um, uh, brilliantly, because we're in 1999, right? So, uh, or 1998 with this card, and apparently the rest of the wrestling world industry is. So, Sigigara took took um, Go Shiozaki for 50 minutes. He's 50 years old. Oh, well. <laughs> Shiozaki wins. Let's go out, and Kiyoji Muto comes out. No 58 way. years old. What? Yeah, and he's he's challenging for the global honor crown at the next big event. So you know, what happened is they, they watched AEW and they're like, hey, we're going to steal that. That's it. That's exactly what happened. <laughs> oh, oh it's brilliant. I just, I absolutely love it. It's just going to be brilliant. great. It that will be pays. great though. That will be great. Yeah. To be fair, to see, I, I will have to, to check that out when it happens. It's, um, yeah, just, uh, I, Muto was on the last card. He, he wrestled on the undercard and we thought, oh, he's, he's having... Because his company, um, uh, Wrestle One, sorry, the other company was Zero One that I was talking about with the thing here, but his company, Wrestle One, went out of business last year and right. he's kind of doing doing the rounds. And everyone's like, oh, it's, it's the old man just to come in to pour in a nice little performance for Noah and we can have a nice, hey, look at that, Shining Wizard, woo, moment. And no, he turned up <laughs> 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 proper. And yeah, yeah. Now he's going to have a run at the championship, and it, he, uh, Emily Emily Pratt, uh, this well, fan bite said this morning, and I, she, there is only out of the active wrestlers left who haven't won the triple crown in AJPW, the IWGP Heavyweight Championship, and the Global Honor Crown. He's one of three guys left who can do it, and all the others are contract tied pretty much until their retirements. So it could right. be something quite special. Yes. Anywho, let's just get back to modern day wrestling. <laughs> Next up, we, we had oh, old school wrestling, even Naihiro Hashikawa versus Ikoto Hidaki, which was a bit more back to the 
um, hard work style, the, the yeah. strong style shoot style. What do you think of this, Tara? Um, a nice kind of change of pace back to it. Um, I think if, if the whole card, and what were we saying, if the whole card was this, it would be quite boring. I think there's some lad yawning in the background at one point. Um, mm. But breaking it up, um, when you get off the ground, it kind of is more appealing to me at this. I think we spend a bit too much time on the ground um, at the beginning and in the middle. So, uh, I don't know. It, it, it's hard to say because they are putting in a lot of work and this is what the what the product is. So, yeah. it's just like, okay. But for me, it's more exciting when they get up and they start doing really targeted like um, leg attacks and some high spots. Yeah. Um, it, it's very interesting. Like uh, what I love about the high spots is it's not just oh we're gonna we're gonna do flips and we're gonna do a million miles an hour matches and it's gonna be oh my god, it's like I'm gonna go to the top rope, I'm gonna jump, attack your knee, and then get back to attacking the knee on the ground. <laughs> it's brilliant. It's like yeah, actually that makes a lot of sense. You know, instead of doing yeah. a, four, a, a four flip, a four fifty splash from the top rope, which makes no sense. It's like no, I'm gonna keep attacking that knee and then go up the top, get more leverage. And starts smashing yeah. the bits. It's really cool. Like the match is, um, it is slow paced, but then kind of has these big rushes. It's really interesting. Like I think it's uh, it's pretty cool. Also, the the best use of the enziguri I've ever seen is in this match. Uh, oh wow! It's, yeah, it's a transition out of the leg strikes. Uh, yeah, it has the knee and just like elbow and the knee, and then Enziguri happened. It's like, oh, this is the first time I've ever seen an Enziguri make sense in a match. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you want to use it. It's cool. It's very cool. A good little match. It takes a bit of time to get into. I think it very much reminds me of the way Desperado wrestles in New Japan at the moment, and also um, Robbie Eagles, Australian wrestler, who's been the best of Super Juniors this week. One of the things I've noticed with him, his finish is the Ron Miller special. Ron Miller was an Australian wrestler, and it's kind of like this reverse Indian deathlock that he rolls into. Oh. But everything he does goes into that Ron Miller special. So he does a springboard drop kick, but not to the face or the chest. He does it to the knee because that's the most force, and it makes the most sense. you know. And I like that. I like watching Robbie Eagles matches because he's telling a story, and his story is get to the Ron Miller special. Yeah. I know I can win. I've got this killer submission that no one else can do. And it's very old school psychology, but it shows how it works here. You know, that's, oh, absolutely. that's and but that's the important thing. Like as I said, if if it was if it was done any other way, it wouldn't have the same impact to it because you're trying to you're as you said, you know, you're trying to do as you would in a real shoe fight. And obviously yeah. targeting that one part of the leg makes way more sense. And you see them do it in a very uh the lame way in WWE for you know fans who aren't who who are you know more mainstream wrestling fans or whatever uh, they're like oh he's targeting his like and then he does a splash and you're like that's not targeting the knee that's doing a splash like <laughs> what you're saying makes no sense or oh he's, he's targeting that body part and then he goes off and hits him with the chair in the back or something you're like what you know but with this it's very very building towards the the finale which is uh, pretty cool in itself yeah. Yeah, it's it's very good. And then we had a championship match, the UWA Middleweight Championship, which was interesting because the UWA closed down about four years before this. So th there's that. <laughs> they probably had the belts lying around and they wanted to use them. Oh, Mexican belts. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah so the, 
Do you, did you know the, C, the CMLL are still using NWA championship belts that they had in the 1980s? They haven't been a member of the NWA since the 1980s, but they just kept using the titles anyway. The NWA now call them the historic middleweight CMLL <laughs> championships. Oh, well, look, yeah. uh, look, people like belts, and belts are fun. <laughs> if you have them there, you might as well use them, you know? Exactly. So the UWA was a promotion in Mexico from the mid-1970s. I actually read a couple of weeks ago the story of the formation of UWA. UWA. For those of you who don't know, CMLL, which is the big promotion in Mexico, has been the big promotion in Mexico for literally the last 100 years. Mm. And every once in a while, the big stars would be mumbling to their breath about the fact they couldn't earn any more money because there was no competition. And they would go off and do independent promotions occasionally to try and barter their way up. And then suddenly somebody realized that, wait a minute, all of these guys are currently out of contract and we have an arena. And that's what started the UWA. It was more or less just by accident that a couple of promoters went, hey. <laughs> There's a gap here. Let's do this. You know, but- yes, that's it. Yeah. And that's how UWA started. They went out of business in the early 90s, pretty much as AAA did the same thing to CMLL in the early 90s again. Mm. There was another mass exodus, and AAA was a bit more forward thinking company, and UWA kind of relied much like New Japan does on gauging talent. So there was all sorts of things that went off there. But much part of the issue was part, part of the UWA's legacy was that they formed a UWA in Japan with uh, Gran Hamada. And that's what I'm guessing where the legacy of this belt comes from, because uh, that referee, the portly referee, shall we say, um, was also the referee for Michinoku Pro. Uh, Michinoku Pro was the Japanese Lucha Federation that featured Gran Hamada, who had, say, who's... Oh, I have to say, on, on the referee, he, he pretty much does the whole show as well, so fair play. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's a, no, he's, 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 he's a party lad, but he has good conditioning. Oh, yeah. And like you should see him flying about on a Michinoku Pro show with all those uh, lucha style wrestlers. And he, <laughs> he amazingly stays out of the way and not gets clobbered by them. Fair he's belay, one like, of the best referees. Yeah. It's, 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 yeah. it's cool to see. Like he's just there and he's like, you know, does the whole card. And I was expecting to disappear and, you know, whatever. But no. <laughs> and speaking of Michinoku Pro, Tiger Mask 4. Yeah. The Michinoku Pro Tiger Mask, the yeah. current Tiger Mask, if you will, some 20 years later. But here's is the thing, challenging. Though. Sorry. sorry, sorry, go on. Uh, just on this one, I was super happy to see Tiger Mask on this card, so thanks for. for That's uh, okay, man. He's wrestling the champion, Minoru Tanaka, formerly of uh, obviously PWFG, uh, mm. Pro Wrestling Fujiwara, and UWFI. And a badass of all round proportions. <laughs> um, and Tiger Mask is a bit of a badass himself in this match. This is oh, yeah. proper shoot style. And uh, Tiger Mask gets down with it, doesn't he? Well, here's the thing like, with, uh, like when Tanata comes out, you're like, oh man, this is serious. And he did a little video package, which is fun. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And then Tiger Mask comes out, and you're like, oh, I've... okay, this is weird. And then they start doing a shoot match, <laughs> and you're like, Oh, this is weird. Um, I thought we Tiger Mask. It's a lot more kind of flippy. Um, yes, and you know there are elements of that as well. But they go out to the crowd. Uh, a lot of map-based wrestling. But I think they put on a great show. They're they, like for two two guys who I didn't think would have 
as good as chemistry as they do, they they really work well together. You know, um, again, it has these big rest spots, but the rest spots are, you know, good leg locks, nice transitions into headlocks, arm locks, because they're not just, you know, holding the headlock for like, you know, 15 minutes. Mm. It's more just kind of like, right, we're still trying to tell the story. Uh, Tanaka's really wearing down Tiger Mask, wearing him down, wearing him down, wearing him down. And then you kind of work to your your more, let's call Tiger-esque, Tiger Mask-esque uh, spot. <laughs> Again, like, a lot of it is on the mat. And I, I didn't expect to see a match like that on this card. No, it, and it it was very, it very fast paced, very fast moving, and then it it kind of matches Tiger's personality of being like this current version of Tiger Mask that we're seeing here, his mm-hmm. kind of never say die attitude towards wrestling, um, and trying to figure out a way of besting Tanaka, but Tanaka is clearly the guy in the ascendancy and the master of his realm in this that's quasi shoot style. That's yeah. that's that's the story of this match. Tanaka is the best yeah. there. And Tiger yeah. Mask is like, all right, I'm going to hang with you on your level. But then he'll pull out these spots. Like, he'll do, like, a lovely flying kick or he'll do beautiful German. Like, he does one of the best bridge German suplexes I think I've seen around this time outside of, like, something like ECW. Um, and it's just like, you know, when you see Benoit, Jericho, and they're doing it, like, um, yeah, it, it's a cool match. And that's the story, you know, it's like, look, I am outmatched, but I'm still gonna go down. I'm still not gonna go down without uh, without a fight. Um, the end of this match is sick, lovely spinning arm, uh, <laughs> arm breaker. Just like, oh yeah. man, it's cool. Like, and then he's fighting, he's fighting, and then that's it. Tap. It's great, beautiful, absolutely beautiful. <laughs> yes. And do you know who else would like this very, very much? Ew. New Japan, New Japan Pro Wrestling would like this very, very much because both of these guys would be signed within two years. Oh, for sure, I can see why. It's like they, they have, they, they're like the best thing on the card as far as like your top talent and who you should build your company around. But it's yes. it, 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 like it's weird because it, the tag match that's after it kind of goes back to having this cheap feel. I'm sorry, it has this really cheap feel to it. But with Tiger Mask and Tanaka, you're like. Well, these feel like really big stars. It's 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 very weird to to see it that way because nothing changes in presentation, but the way the match is done and the aura that these guys have, it's like, yeah, man, this is cool. Yeah, this is it. Um, Tanaka would go on to have a tag team with, uh, funnily enough, ironically enough, Koji Kanemoto Tiger Mask Three, um, <laughs> and they would win. They would have a good run in Best of Super Juniors and win an IWGP Tag Team Championship, and then he would turn heel. And become heat in reference to the Game Boy Advance video game Tukon Heat. It says here on Wikipedia. <laughs> but he would have a sing. He would have a singles run. At- yes, and he would have a singles run at the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion, where he was challenged by Tiger Mask for New Japan. Clearly wanted this match somewhere yes. down the line and just dis- deployed it with great uh, with great vigor. But you can see why Tanaka has been a mainstay of promotions ever since. Still active, still wrestling in NOAA um, to this day. Obviously, Tiger Mask is still wrestling in New Japan occasionally. Not this much this year. I can't remember him. I think the last match I saw him in this year would have been the opening of New Beginnings in February because of COVID. Yeah. Um, but not letting the old guys out as much. Well, that's fair. Bless them. They're the, one, they're the ones at risk. You know, it's like, okay. So... 
The New Japan well, dads have had not much of a run out this year. Tenzan, the only the most active thing Tenzan has done is wipe down Master Wato with a towel. So, yeah. Well, look, we're getting to the end of it now. 2021 will probably be the return. We'll see them all back and doing things. I think 2021 is going to be the busiest year for everything that didn't happen this year. So you probably have, <laughs> you probably have an LLAD tournament, maybe. Yes, oh, that'd be cool, wouldn't it? That, that's anyway. Probably what do. That's probably what they'll yeah. do. No. Yeah. Well, the, 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 we, me and Ian Hamilton of 411 Mania did to count up how many tournaments New Japan Pro Wrestling have done since March. And yeah, it's seven. It's yeah, it's <laughs> but you haven't done that tournament. And I probably think, and they're like, oh, well, we can do this again. So I would expect that to be on the cards. But speaking of cards, yes. this, this tag match at the end, right? Confusing. Yeah. Confusing. Well, it was Yuki Ishii. Yuki Ishikawa and Alexander Otsuka, Ishikawa being the owner of the company, yep. versus Daisuke Ikeda and Carl Greco, which is obviously the ideal name for a wrestler, Greco. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, 100%. Greco-Roman. Yeah. Can, you imagine, Why can, you imagine, confu- can you imagine that gimmick in WWE? <laughs> <laughs> Carl Greco-Roman. Yeah. See, that, that's where they wish to Roman Reigns, Greco-Roman Reigns. There you go. Just on that. Would, would have been, been money from the start. Yep. No. No. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Trick. Um, I didn't apply for that head writer's job on SmackDown, by the way. Why? Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. If you want to get shouted at, just post something bad on Twitter and you'll get shouted at by everybody. Yes, carry on. But look, this match, um, it was confusing. I, I think this probably should have been before the Tiger Mask match. Um, it didn't feel... Yes. Like, yeah, I know, obviously, the owner of the company was in it, and that's probably why it was main event, because, like, it's my show. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's like... I, I, it didn't have the same kind of, like, oomph that the others had. Uh, um, some lad was wrestling in no boots, and that always concerned me. I'm like, oh, this is... You're going to regret that. Um, I'm still waiting for Matt Riddle's foot to get broken. Um, but, like, I really, like... <laughs> I really like the the wrestling in this, like the actual like as Greco style wrestling in this. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, that was kind of cool. It was like a, an old school Kurt Angle match. Um, but yeah, look, it it was what it was. You know, I, I it didn't. I was already on a high from the last match, and for me, the card kind of ended then. But what was weird about yeah. this was, it was just like, it went on for like 14 minutes. <laughs> no discernible reason. No, it could have been over so much more quickly. They didn't really do an awful lot. They didn't do anything. They just <laughs> did some spots and wasted everybody's time for 14 minutes. And I'm like, lads, listen, I know this is your thing, but we could have had this. You know, and, and the worst part about it, I don't think even there was a decisive victory in this as well, was there? No, there wasn't. Was like I can't remember. I don't, yeah, it was, well, there was, uh, there were, I think it was a referee's decision. And ah, then, it was a TKO. Yeah, but, yeah. And then, but, and then, then he attacked the other partner. So he set up an angle, which I suppose is a good thing for a go home on a on an untelevised show, because this was VHS. Right. Um, not Bond TV. But equally... I suppose you didn't want the Tanaka victory to swamp what you were doing with the angle, but you could have made the match a lot shorter and still got the same amount of stuff done. Yeah, you see, that's what I would have done. I, like, I understand like angles are important to obviously carrying on from week to week, you know, it's resting, but it's like, 
this could have been a five to ten minute match and he would have achieved the yeah. same thing. And mm. I, I think the crowd would have been more invested because he didn't be burned out after the championship match because after the championship match, you usually are burned out. Um, so, yeah, look, a, a weak way to end, but I suppose it was a necessary ending. So Yeah, that was it, really. He was okay. Yeah. But what are your thoughts on the overall card? A lot of fun. Um, I would yeah. say just just if you're if you're new to it, don't expect what you would see in New Japan or whatever. Kind of expect it to be more like pride mixed in with some wrestling. Um, yeah, and that's probably the best way to say it. But you know, the second match is phenomenal. Um, tag team match is a really good wrestling match, and then the the championship match is obviously like the reason why you watch this card. So it, it's it's not long either. It's about an hour and a bit. Um, but yeah, that that last tag team main event, you can kind of do. It. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you can do it. Out. Right then. <laughs> so shall we move on to a soccer pro? I think we've got time to talk about a soccer pro. On to something completely different, in the words of Monty Python. Indeed, from the sublime to the ridiculous, and boy, have we got plenty of ridiculous for you. Osaka Pro Wrestling was started in 1998 by Super Delphin of Michinoku Pro, in much the same way Battle Arts was started out of the um, issues with another company. It's not that Delphin had particularly issues with Michinoku Pro. I think he just wanted to do something different and be in charge of the company. And whilst Great Sasuke is there, let's face it, mad bastard Great Sasuke, who 20 years later is still falling off the top of a top rope whilst wearing a barrel, uh, you're not going to get much forward motion, are you? So, no. <laughs> no. So Super Delphin started his own company called Osaka Pro, booked himself as the main event draw, which is perfectly reasonable because he was one of the best junior heavyweights in the world at the time, and set about uh, organizing shows in and around Osaka, much taking much of the idea of Michinoku Pro, which established itself on Michinoku Island and only really worked in Michinoku Island until it became this massive company that Vince McMahon loved, believe it or not, because he hired Takemichi Did um, That and, makes a lot of sense. Uh, yes. <laughs> well, there you go. Um, and Michinoku Pro were guesting for New Japan and guesting for AJW, and Great Sasuke was wrestling at Sushi Anita in exploding double-hell death barbed wire matches for FMW. Delphin starts up this small company in Osaka called Osaka Pro, and bases it on the basic principles that he's learned in Michinoku Pro, which is angles are fun. You present it as best you possibly can in the environment you're in and use the roster you have to the best of their advantage, which is kind of classic 90s booking. It's very much FMW, ECW booking, but instead of violence, you're swapping it for fun. And I think that's the big takeaway. Having watched a couple of matches... And watching a couple of matches, what are your thoughts on the product? I think it works. Um, like this, the presentation of it is super weird, but it's super interesting. <laughs> like it's, it feels bigger than, than the last product because it's not a gym. Yeah, you know, it's in a it, nightclub. It, yeah, and it's it's cool. Like honestly, if WWE did this, this would be man. They can't do it now, but you know what I mean. This would be cool. Like because <laughs> like, they did do this actually when we had Raw in like New York and mm. you know in the middle. It's like I think this is missing. This is like it gives that kind of weird Raw Underground should have been this actually. And they go to a yeah. nightclub and they have like strippers and coke or whatever, and you know they, they could just, you know just obviously you know it, it, they could do that. But this is fun, you know, where it's just like lads dressed up in ridiculous things 
having <laughs> fun athletic matches. Um, I, I think the crowd is cool. Like, I, I love when you go into the crowd and there's some woman there, like, picking her handbag, going, ah, oh, it, it's hilarious. It's the funniest thing I've seen in a while. Uh, um, <laughs> but the, the wrestling is quite good, too. You know, it has yeah. all elements. As you said, it's like, it's ECW, with, it's ECW without the violence. It's ECW with comedy. Yeah, and even if, even if the guys aren't the best wrestlers in the world, and they're, they're pretty good, but uh, they don't need to worry about characters or anything like that because they're already kind of our characters, you know. Yeah. And um, it's it's kind of hard to to kind of put your finger on it. Like it's none of it matters, but all of it kind of matters, you know. It's it's like you're yeah. it's like yeah, it's like you're going to like a rock show or something like that, or as you said, a nightclub where you're watching these big outlandish characters go in and have really competitive matches, but at the end of the day, it's not important. Like I, I what I could see is I couldn't see this as a, a long term I'd imagine like doing long term stories hard that were serious. Yeah. But mm. I think the clientele in this expect a a more kind of fun product so a lot of stories and storytelling this would have to be a lot more uh gimmick character based you know where oh you stole my you stole my lobster claw i want it back kind of thing <laughs> yeah i mean obviously this was a big influence on shikara oh that's uh, in the 2010s absolutely yeah it feels like proto shikara yeah 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 um and in fact worked with shikara in around 2010 and did uh, did some very cool stuff with them uh, obviously, Shikara isn't once what it was, is it no longer exists once we found out people who were working for them were a bit rum, um, which is which is horrible for me because it's like one of my favourite promotions and my best memories is going to see Shikara shows in Wales. I loved Shikara and then you find out that they're run by scumbags. And... What I say to Dave is, when we're watching, yeah. we're watching stuff in the Rewind, is don't think about what happened in the future when you're watching <laughs> the shows in the past. Yes. Because then you can't enjoy them. Yeah, that's it. That's Even, the trouble. That's yeah, the thing. That's, and it's hard to do, but sometimes... Like, don't support them, obviously, for what they did, because it was reprehensible, but when you're watching those shows, just watching them as shows, that's all you can do. Yeah. So, well, well the, the the opening of this tape is a long sequence of setting things up with telling stories about yeah. super stuff. I mean, yeah. Weird. there's uh, matches from their tours where they did their first big show. There's Ultraman versus Sea Monster, obviously, because you could have Ultraman versus Sea Monster, haven't you? What's yep, a wrestling absolutely. show without Ultraman versus Sea Monster? Absolutely. Um, and then, and then the actual show that we're watching is in traditional Japanese wrestling style. The whole roster, or the whole babyface roster, comes to the ring and presents themselves, and then the Dick Army, yes, the Dick <laughs> Army <laughs> of Dick Togo, um, policemen. And I'm trying to remember the other one. Oh, it's Bison, isn't it? Is yep. it Bison? Yes. Bear. Yeah, Bison Bear. Uh, come to the ring in to do their individual, uh, didn't do their invasion deal. Oh, yes. And their manager is called Big Dick 296. By the way, <laughs> Dick Togo, current manager of evil in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Yes, that Dick Togo. Dick Togo is a better wrestler than the majority of the wrestlers on the New Japan roster and would wrestle their socks off in five minutes flat, but he's earning a massive amount of money strangling people for evil at the end of matches when he can't get the win. 
because uh, that's what he does now. And I'm very happy that he's earning a living because he had to wrestle in nightclubs in Osaka in 1999, and he earns it and deserves it. Absolutely. But anyway, yes, back to the the card. So the the, the obviously you, you do get to see uh, the Dick Army, Dick Army, uh, <laughs> reanimate somebody um, uh, via some form of voodoo, and that will play a part in the main event later in the show. Yes. So let's go to the actual first wrestling match. Now, the actual um, playlist on Cage Match, I, as far as I can tell, this card never existed because all the places I normally go for actual like um, information just didn't have it. It was April. The t- it was July the 29th, I think, um, and it opens with uh, a lobster monster. Yep. Um, uh, going up against. Um, I'm trying to think who the other guy is. I can't remember his name. Uh, let me have a look at some person to him. Oh, yeah. Uh, Super Delphin himself, the man himself, by the looks of things. He's on the opener. What's your thoughts on this one? It, it's a lobster man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, and look, the match is really decent, but it's yeah. really bizarre because the opening... I love the video package in the opening. I love kind of the way it sets the table. Then you have that weird ritual thing, and you're like, okay. And then you cut to this, and you're like, all right, we've covered a lot of ground in about 20 minutes. (laughs) 19 minutes. Uh, And you're just like, oh, well, okay. Um, But the match itself is really fun. Like, a lot of cool high spots. Your your standard wrestling match, uh, and the Lobster Man gets the win. Like, But it's just, just a weird kind of way. But I have to say, what's cool about it is you don't, you overcome the weird kind of oh this doesn't matter this boredom kind of thing that curtain jerkers can have because it's such a weird outlandish thing to see and he's having a grand old time running around with all the the the, the crowd you know i love the way the crowd are kind of just they don't have chairs they're just kind of sitting on their yeah yeah i was gonna say this anyone who's ever complained about paying 40 quid for a progress seat uh should Think about this. In Japan, if you want to go see indie wrestling in Japan in the 1990s, you had the option of buying a chair or a space on the floor. Think about that. (laughs) I think it adds to it. Honestly, I think it's cool. Yeah, Yeah. I do. I I mean, I think Michinoku Pro, it was one of their things as well, because they were playing Michinoku, which isn't like, you know, it's Japan, but it's not like mainstream Japan like Tokyo or Osaka even. So they were playing a lot of high school gyms and car parks and stuff, and a lot of it was bring your own blanket so you can have a sit and sit and watch the Lucha Libre under the stars kind of deal. And what I, I mean think... is, what I mean is, right? If if you're not doing a, a product that requires you to go into the crowd and use chairs and have that kind mm. of that cool, uniquely when I think of Japanese wrestling, that's one of the things I think of. Um, mm. Just milling chairs at each other from the crowd. Um, yeah. If that's not part of your product, then you don't need it. No, no, exactly. That's it. And you can make a feature out of the things that are there. And that's the thing yeah. as well. You know, and you, looking at the layout of the building, I'm sorry, I've just seen a giant lob monster do a standing moonsault. Isn't it amazing? <laughs> it's just like, it's so good. It is. And, and then a moonsault off the top to, to wrap things up. Really nice go. finish. Really nice finish. Yeah. A beautiful finish. If you're going to have a monster, he's got to win big with Absolutely. Like, Yeah, like, that's it. You know, again, like, I think this stuff would, um, this is what, you know, WDB is missing. Characters. Yeah, yeah. This is it. I mean, it's the, 
you know, but then they'd be like, oh, it's so serious. It's like, it's wrestling. Calm down, you know? Um, oh. <laughs> it's like, this is cool. This works. You know, have this as your undercard. And you can have a grand old time. Bring in a bunch of lads from Japan. Book that that way. Have a division. Yeah. Everybody will go home happy. Instead of just random yeah. things happening for no reason. Yeah. yeah, that was it. Somebody came up with, oh, somebody was complaining yesterday on Twitter about the fact that AEW are going to be working with New Japan and it's going to be awful because Orange Cassidy shouldn't be wrestling Kakada because my babies are pure and they should never wrestle. It's like, oh, for God's sake. Yeah. <laughs> I think you need to redefine what, what professional wrestling is to you. Like, yeah, it's... <laughs> it's like, it's, to be honest, it's men rolling around in their pants. Let's, let's, let's just... Yeah. Put a put a yeah, pretending to fight. Yeah. Let's let's put a baseline here. And also you've got to bear in mind Okada once went on a game show so a woman could feel up his thighs. Um, yeah, so yeah, you know, I think it's important as well for Jap <laughs> for you know Japanese cultural context where it's like watch Japanese television and then come back to me <laughs> and say how serious you think it is. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Remember the mini series of chaos videos where Okada had a cruise. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> the next match is um, Monkey Magic versus I think it's um, yeah Ebisan, the original Ebisan, better known as Kikitaru, um, famed professional wrestler, best mate of Colt Cabana, and arguably the best comedy wrestler who ever lived. Oh. <laughs> and this is. What you expect it to be. Monkey Magic is a monkey. Ebisan yep. is um, a kind of a monk figure. Um, yep. He became Kikitaro after handing off the Ebisan character to Cayman, who we'll see later on the show. Um, but yeah, this is a fun, fun, fun match because it's that's all it's supposed to be. It's the most Japanese thing you'll ever see. <laughs> <laughs> and that's well, all I can say. That's all More Japanese than a bowl of Raymond on a rising sun flag. It's it's about the equivalent of it, all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's cool, and it's weird because it has a lot of the elements that you know the the pro Russo crowd will, will love. You know the the arm drag arm drag spot where they go in and then you know do that the arm thing that they do. It has that yeah. element in it. It has like some really cool technical spots, but then it's a fun little match as well at the same time. So beautiful uh, twist and power bomb as well halfway through the match. So, oh yeah, Kikitaro was the next couple of years. Kikitaro ends up being one of the best junior heavyweights in the world, and That's he gets it, invited. You can do both. You know? Yeah, he's he's uh, he gets invited to best of super juniors. He's in. Um, uh, Super Junior Tag League. Uh, he goes to all Japan. He tagged with Kieji Muto, dressed as Muto. <laughs> <laughs> sure, look, it, it, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me a lot of uh, Christopher Daniels when he was Curry Man for a while. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think yeah. it's just a thing where they're like, "Look, we've been serious for so long. Let's just, have <laughs> well, you know." Yeah, if you if you if you can track down that main event, it's Muto. I can't remember who the wrestling, but really, it's, it, there could be wrestling two tree trunks. It wouldn't matter. And the first thing Kikadaro does is like do the backflip elbow across the ring and then hold up the I love you signs in the middle of the ring. And Muto comes in and angles his fingers at just the right point and then gets back outside the ring again. Look, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the ridiculousness is, is carried over because the next match is a Mexican sombrero guy fighting a cow. <laughs> yes, let's let's move on because there's not a lot more to say that because these kind of like hard developed matches. 
Yes, this is uh, Kariki Kamen, uh, who would take over the Ebisan character in coming years. And Kamen and Kikitaru would have the absolute best comedy feud ever, uh, including a match at Osaka Arena in front of 14,000 people, which was best of three falls. And it's just, it's just literally some of the best storytelling you will ever see in wrestling. It's every comedy spot in wrestling you've ever seen told perfectly. In fact, two years, or I think it was last year, they had a rematch and did an entire in-ring post-match breakdown of it for a, for a streaming service. Because <laughs> 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 they're still mates and they still wrestle each other occasionally. All right, well, look, you know, this it, one, there's not much in, in this match. It seems to be a kind of like filler to get to the, to get to the next, uh, the next yeah. match. Yeah, and... Um, but again, it's all fun stuff and basic, sensible wrestling stuff. Like, uh, Cayman comes out and hands out sweets to the crowd because there's yep. loads of kids in the crowd. Absolutely. How do you make you? How do you get your baby faces over? Give give the kids sweets. There yeah. you go. <laughs> they're having a, they're having a good old time. That's all that matters. You know? Yeah, that's it. It's uh, um, yeah. I I did notice a, a shift after this match um, into tag match where it kind of becomes a bit more serious. Not much yeah. more serious, but you know, the, the lads are dressed like luchadors rather than clowns. Yes, uh, this is. Uh, yeah, um, I'm trying to think who this is now. It's I, I figured it out earlier because I actually tried to figure out from the the roster of uh, Osaka Pro. So I'm going to have to go back and find the Osaka Pro roster. Um, but yeah, there is some serious actual pro wrestling going on in this match. Mm. Um, and it, I think that's the thing as well. It's it's still the um, what's the word? It's the it's the three ring circus, isn't it? Wrestling. If you don't like the like tigers, you will like the clowns. Yes. And the more variety you have on a card, the more chances you're going to hit people. I used to do this as a rock promoter, and people didn't believe in it because they would go like, "Oh, you should have a punk night," and it's like, "Well, why?" Because then only punk fans will go. Yep. So if we put no. a punk band on, an indie band on, and a metal band on, and an acoustic act, everyone will go. Well, see, look, right, one of the best shows we've ever had to, to go up, one of the best shows we've ever had is when we don't have a black metal night, right, where, like, we would be booked yeah. as, like, the headliner. But to get up to us, there is, like, you know, a straight metal band, a rock band, yeah. and then, like, an alternative band. And then by the time we come out with all the theatrics of black metal, people are like, oh, my God. And it's like, yeah, it's how you book a wrestling show. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's do it the same way. Like, that's how we run our band. We run it like it's a wrestling show because that's what it is. It's a gimmick. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's, yeah. A, that's the kind of thing. I used to run a band called, well, obviously, you know, my, my Twitter handle is Sheriff Lone Star and the, show, and the deputy, well, Sheriff Lone Star. But it came from my band, which was Sheriff Lone Star and the Deputies of Heartbreak. We were a gimmick band, yep. you know. Um, I was Sheriff Lone Star. It's been years now. Uh- <laughs> well, that's what you do, you know. If uh, gimmicks are important, you know, and I think, like again, you know, I hate to beat the dead horse, but from what we've seen on the rewind, one of the bit Dave never watched the Archie there or anything before two thousand and five, really. So he's mm. going back, and it's all new to him. And it's like, yeah, you see, can we used to work on a wrestling website, WrestleView, like 10 years ago, for about 10 years. And, uh, you know, he'd never understand why, where people were coming from with certain things going, this isn't as good as that. And now he's starting to get it. And it's because, yeah, everyone had a character, everyone had a gimmick. And the great thing about Japan is they know that. 
because that's the way their entertainment yeah. works. They, they know how to entertain people. So yeah, some of it's really silly, but silly isn't bad. Yeah, gimmicks, that's it. Because gimmicks make things feel important. It's not just two lads in shorts pretending to fight. It's the dragon fighting the smaller dragon or a lobster fighting the curry man or whatever. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> there's things to latch onto. Yeah, that's it. Exactly. Uh, yes, it was Knight Cooper Hiroshi and I think that's Tadasuke um, against uh, oh, they did say um, Masume and Orochi, I think. I'm trying to remember. It's difficult to tell because they don't really could be, they don't want a disadvantage to like this particular presentation is the fact that the um, the clarity of the announcers isn't particularly great. It's but this great. is essentially straight up shoot stay up shoot style, traditional King's Road style wrestlers against Lucha Libre wrestlers. Yep, and it and works that's so well. It works that's so a story well. in itself. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. If you do know who it is, guys, don't forget to tweet at James. <laughs> at James. Yes. Yeah, at me. Adam. Gay <laughs> is actually still active in Noah, where he's a member of the the Red Junior Heavyweight faction, and um, is much beloved by lots of my female followers who think he's lovely. Well, there you go. Uh, there you that's, go. That's all um, he wants, isn't it? Yeah, you want you want, you want you want to be the what the Randy Orton or the the John Cena of Japanese. Right? <laughs> oh, Sabusa and Utaka, <laughs> that's it. I found it. You Sabusa and Utaka are the two um, lucha guys. Hold the, the angry tweets, guys. Hold there the we go. That's it. That's it. That's it. I have I, found I, out. I I love I love those lads. They're so good, and they do actually yeah. win with a really cool double team spot at the end. But uh, I, I don't know. Uh, like it's it's great when you see like a cool uh cla- like I'm not a huge fan of lucha I'll be I'll be hundred percent honest but I like it when it contrasts with the strong style team yeah yeah they, you know if everything is five stars nothing is and if everything is lucha nothing is but with this is like yeah. oh man they're playing at each other's strengths rather than undermining each other the entire time because uh the the strong style obviously is on the ma heavy kicks. But then the Lucha guys are able to be like, we're, no, we're able to move faster than you. We're able to do these cool double team spots. And that's eventually how they do get the win. So that's the great little story that they tell. Yeah. As, and the uh, tell the clapping. They're all having a good time. As Chelsea Spollen, our correspondent and reviewer and uh, guest on this show many, many times, has often said, styles make matches. Yep. If you have contrasting styles, that's what makes an interesting story. You're, half your matches are already there. Now, yes. it can work the other way where you get two guys who just don't mesh well <laughs> but generally speaking if you've got competent wrestlers who have different styles it will make a match automatically yeah oh man absolutely and that's that's what i'd like to see you know it's what we always say about big men and small men you know in the in the, in the ring you know the reason why it works is because it's the most simplistic simplistic small uh big guy dynamic you can have nowadays but yeah. this kind of stuff just works so much better you know because you know, you, you just you you want to be able to see them work against each other. I think that's yeah, exactly. That's it. Yeah, it's um, it's great, and it it's, it works really well in this context as well. And also, like we said, it's the three ring circus. It's more variety. So that leads us to the main event, which is a good half hour, including introductions, uh, which features the owner of the company, Super Delphin. 
uh, alongside um, trying to fast forward to make sure I get the right people in the right place. <laughs> uh, so I can actually see people who are wrestling. Bruce Lee, not the actual Bruce Lee, the wrestler Bruce Lee. Yes. Um, and I'm trying to think who the third guy is in that team. It's... I see all the heels. Oh, yes, it's one of the young guys out of the promotion whose name escapes me, and I didn't hear it at the beginning of the match. And I'm trying to figure out who it is. I think it might be... No, it won't be Gamma, because he's not there. It'd be somebody who would come out of the, the dojo, certainly, Super Delphin. I've got... Thankfully, I get pictures of everyone who's on there. Uh, Apple, no, no. Uh, that Sushi Katage? Might be him. No, that's not him. Black Buffalo is still wrestling. Daisuke Hirada, that'd be it. Yeah. Daisuke Hirada. You will not with their listeners that I let James do this. So I don't embarrass you. This is the trouble with Osaka Pro. It was a relatively small company to start with, and the early days aren't well documented. It's like FMW, Brett, who is like the absolute clear voice of FMW and has listened to the Truth New Show podcast and gave us our blessing that we were doing it right, thank Christ. Um, <laughs> Brett um, is like, he is a walking encyclopedia of FMW. He's currently translating books about FMW and the FMW history onto his website. His, his website is like, it gives you the entire story of the promotion, the wrestlers, um, because Brett truly loves FMW and wants to like preserve the history of his favorite promotion. Osaka Pro, not so much. It's a bit of miss about who wrestled who, where, and when. And like I said, Cage Match will give you the full history of what happened in Wolverhampton in 1932. Uh, however, the, the Osaka Pro, they've got every card except this one. So... There you go. I should have picked a different one. I should have gone to Cage Match first and then picked the Osaka Pro card. But Fair. here we are. Um, but still, but yes. like, I, I think the main event of this was was a good way to finish it off. Um, it was a clean finish, and then we had a cold sacrifice at the end. Yes, indeed. Black Buffalo Policeman, not to be confused with Police of Gaia, yeah. uh, but Policeman and Dick Togo of the Dick Army. Um because he's called Dick, and for not as a reason, uh, did indeed possess uh, Super Delphin and Bruce Lee's partner, yep. which was unfortunate. Um, was. And uh, and he turned on them at the end of the match in a, uh, after losing and everything going dark and the possession happening. Uh, he attacked his partners only mildly and then blundered off to the back. So that sets up the next card, doesn't it? What's going to happen to your young baby face? Your, your classic wrestling ending, of course. Yes, because it's a cliffhanger for next week. But this is <laughs> this is the thing. this is the thing. It's it's kind of the start of performance based wrestling on a storytelling level that Japan hasn't really seen. Mm. If you see what I mean, yeah, it's hokey and it's fun and it's cheap graphics and it's a bit shoddy camera work, but it's the beginnings of trying to tell stories not just in the ring. And it's doing it in such a stylized way. In Osaka Pro Art, they've taken on the Michinoku Pro tradition. But yeah, it just works. I buy into that. I look into this possession angle and I'm enjoying it and it's cool. And I suspended belief to watch this because even though I'm a middle-aged man, I understand that this is supposed to be fun. 
Absolutely. And, you know, I think that's, I think that's missing as well. You know, it's, it, although it kind of actually fits into the outdoor quite well, because well, we see a year later with The Undertaker doing the exact same thing. But, um, yeah, it's cool, man. Like, I, yeah, the match wasn't great. Um, but I thought they did the best they could. It's like it's what we said with Battle Arts, where it was like they had to go on to the next card. So we got our finish, I think, in the tag match, and then this was just to kind of push forward an angle. So it's really, even though both, in, in a word to, to round it out, even though both are completely different sides of the spectrum, they both do the exact same thing in a weird way. Yeah. So it's, it's, it, is, <laughs> it is kind of cool like, to say that's like, oh, okay, this is where we're kind of seeing this go. And how you guys are doing your show, where the last match is the true main event, and the main event is the story to kind of push stuff forward. Yeah, that's it. And as well, this is incredibly influential stuff. Like we say, Tadasuke is uh, a major regular for Noah. Uh, mm-hmm. Dick Togo is the manager of Evil in New yeah. Japan Pro Wrestling. He's got sure. a strong presence. And, you know, all of this stuff. And I would even say it influences. Um, Things like Makai. Have you heard of Makai? I have not. Makai is like a live science fiction performance based around wrestling. So <laughs> you have wrestlers as the actors, and they tell this story featuring fighting and sword play in a wrestling ring. So Fantastic. all the story is like is laid out, and there is a proper like hardcore metal band playing in the background because they do all the soundtrack amazing um, and the lead character is played by akura shida who is the aw women's champion at the moment oh that's so good, <laughs> <laughs> that's so good. And oh, she's been she's been doing breakdowns on her twitter feed to explain it to western fans have gone who've gone on youtube and gone akura shida and come up with makai and gone what <laughs> oh, that's and yeah so it's really cool and yeah because someone said to me what i really want is like a, a japanese drama set with pro wrestling i was like it's already been done it's called makai go here and i sent her some videos like, this is amazing and it actually is even if you don't understand the thing is because it's pro wrestling and even you don't understand the language because the music's there you don't need to because no. the music's there the story comes out through the actions of the characters I don't, speak a, I don't speak a word of Japanese, despite how much of a weeb I am. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. And that's, uh, that's the other thing with the Psycho Pro stuff. A Psycho Pro stuff. Not so much with the battle arts, because you need to pay attention a little bit more. Mm. You don't need to be completely au fait with language to understand what's going on. Yeah. We can tell it's a possession. We can tell that they've clearly demonized this person. And people laugh. But it's exactly the same thing that Kevin Sullivan did to, oh, I can't remember who it was, in the ni- early, late 1970s in Florida. He uh, possessed one of the members of the Rock and Roll RPMs. I can't remember his name. Mike Davis? Yeah, Mike Davis is Rock and Roll RPMs. And uh, hypnotized him to think he was Dusty Rhodes. Yeah, but we, we, you know, we've seen this before. Over, as I said, literally a year later, yeah. the Undertaker would be coming out and doing it to, to the ministry. So... Wrestling lends itself to this kind of stuff, and I think people forget that. But uh, James, thanks very much for having me on and show me these characters. Every time I come on, it's always a fun time, uh, and I always <laughs> get to learn new things. So I hope the I hope the listeners enjoyed it too. I hope so too. I always save the weird stuff for you, Dara, because I, I know you it. enjoy it. 
I do. Yes. I really do. It's it's one thing. I I get text from me. I'm like, oh, absolutely, because I know I want to watch some weird stuff, and it's gonna be a great time. <laughs> What's of all the ones you've watched? Which one's been your favorite so far? I don't know, man. It's very hard to top like a a, a crab doing a a beautiful. I, I I don't know. I think the the WWE crossover thing was like just so random and strange, but I really enjoyed this week's stuff. So it's definitely getting getting more interesting. I'm looking forward to doing more shows with you. <laughs> well, appreciate it, Dara. Thank you very much. Uh, where can we find you on your internet, sir? So if you want to at me, you can. It's at Dara WV on Twitter. I'm active sometimes, but then I disappear for long periods of time. So I I do try to stay active on that um if you guys want to find my show obviously myself and dave stevens we do the pro wrestling rewind pro wrestling rewind.com uh, that takes us to the youtube to youtube of all that stuff that we do and obviously all the shows are over on the true penny channel as well uh, at the moment we are doing kind of shows you know obviously rewind them back to the attitude era and beyond we do take requests so if you guys want us to watch something just make sure we can find it and we'll watch it we're doing we have a, a working relationship with impact wrestling so more impact con- content is coming as there seem to be you know the biggest talking point in wrestling right now is that <laughs> uh, impact invasion which nobody saw happening right? <laughs> Uh, which is crazy, and um, yeah, so we're going to be covering that a lot more, but there's a show pretty much once every week, we tape it on Friday nights about 11pm, 11.30pm uh, English-Irish time, if you guys want to catch us on YouTube, just the rest, the Pro Wrestling Rewind uh, .com will take you to the YouTube link, and then you can just join the chat, um, the more interactive, the better, so we're very, very responsive to emails, chats, and articles stuff as well, so if you guys want us to watch something, let us know. There you go. You can find me at Sheriff Lone Star. You can find the Troopany Show channel at Troopany Show on Twitter and the Troopany Show on Facebook and on Patreon, where you can keep the Troopany Show free forever for everyone. Um, I've nearly done with the best of Super Juniors and World Tag League epic two weeks, pretty much podcasting every night. And if you want to listen to the playlist, there's two and a half hours of me getting more and more frustrated with Master Wato's hair. Please go listen to that, because honestly, you just get a haircut. Um, <laughs> have you seen this? I have not, no. Right, imagine a guy who's 25 years old having a 2008 emo cut that's dyed blue. Oh, yeah, not a good look. No. Um, it, was, it wasn't it, a good look when it came out, but some of the girls were quite cute. But other than that, <laughs> other than that you're like, hey, man, no, um, you shouldn't. And bear in mind... His uh, his uh, mentor and advisor is Hiroshi Tenzan, the man with the most iconic haircut in professional wrestling history. That's what the I was first thing say. I'd have done yeah. is send him to the barber. Absolutely, I would have been like, "Here, just get a haircut." And I say yeah. that as some I say that as somebody who has long hair down my back. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes yeah, the emo haircuts don't do anything for anyone unless you're a sixteen-year-old girl in two thousand and. 2006. 2005, yes. Yeah. If, you, yeah. if you're a 25-year-old bloke in 2020, you perhaps should go see your hairdresser. Yeah, you can't take it back, mate. I'm sorry. <laughs> this, may, this, may, this may require an intervention. Yeah. Anywho, <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much for listening today. I will be back on Friday with today at Best of Super Juniors, looking at Best, or today at Best of Super Juniors and World Tag League, 
My recommendations from this week is the final match of the block night. Uh, Hiroki Goto and Yoshihashi versus Finn Juice, Finn, Dave, Finn, Dave Finley the fourth, uh, and uh, Juice Robinson, because it's just amazing. You have to go watch that match. Uh, big final on Friday will be Finn Juice versus Gorillas of Destiny in their fifth match this year in this epic story of tag team wrestling, or as epic as it gets in New Japan. Um, and of course, Hiromu Takahashi versus Desperado for the Best of Super Juniors Championship. That should be blinding. Got Wrestling Rewind to come this week as well. We haven't done, we've decided what we're going to look at next Sunday. We might do the Best of Super Juniors World Tag League final, but usually I can't get anyone to do it with me because it's the World Tag League and no one's interested. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I've watched it this year and I've never watched the whole thing before and I've absolutely thoroughly enjoyed it. And I think more people should watch World Tag League. I'm a convert. People should watch more tag team tournaments. Anywho... Take care. We'll speak to you soon. Bye. Bye.